Welcome back to Occasional Randomness. I'm your host, Eric Scott, and join me, as always, my fellow co-host, someone who loves a good abusement park, Jason Johnson. So I, I guess now is a bad time to tell you that I'm afraid of heights, right? Because that's not going to happen, me and those rides. Just just putting that up front. Yeah, as I get older, I'm getting more afraid of heights. I, I used to love roller coasters, and now I'm slightly terrified of them, which is kind of half the point of being on a roller coaster. But yeah. So the funny thing about roller coasters and me is that this is more than anybody ever asked. I like the motion, right? The, the speed and the dips and stuff. It's just the heights. So if you have a roller coaster that doesn't go up, I'm good. But Or if you're inside all the time. But as soon as you go out, I'm out. And if it involves like loops or spins, nope. <laughs> yeah, I just want I just want the I just want the up and down, maybe like the like kind of like the ninety degree angle turn kind of thing. But you know, anytime you start like flipping me or no, nope, don't need that. What's worse than that is evidently the the simulators have gotten so good that that affects me too. We tried to do the Avatar ride at Disney, and I I really like, literally couldn't do it because it was too real. So, and speaking of Disney, if if anybody is wondering, have Jason and I ever met in person before? Yes, we have. We've been doing podcasts for years on another network on and off, you know, all virtual over the Skype here. But the one time I finally went down to Florida for Disney, Jason and his family popped over and we had a day of wandering around. Was it Disney Springs now? Is that what they call it? Yeah, that's what they call it. Yeah. This week. We'll see what they call it next week. But So we have actually met yeah. in person, if anybody out there is wondering. So there you go. Virtual meets real life. Funny thing. Yeah. There's things beyond the audio. Yeah. <laughs> Occasionally. <laughs> Randomly. Yeah, there we we covered the bases. There we go. <laughs> We've met the contractual obligation of the podcast. <laughs> All right. So first up tonight on the podcast, our continuing rewatch of Farscape. Uh, this time we are in season three, episode fourteen, Infinite Possibilities, Part One, Dataless Demands, which means it's going to be a part two because you know that's how it works. I was wondering how that was going to happen. Yeah, wouldn't it be cool if they just did, like part one and then just like never did part two? <laughs> And then after that, we'll pick up with our uh, Secret Invasion watch, and we'll only do one episode this time, uh, episode four, since we kind of did like the first three. So, or kind of, we're doing it one at a time now, because we're almost real time. So, but next time, we'll probably do five and six, because by that point, they'll both be out. So, there you go. Yeah. And, and I'll do my best not to dive into five, because unfortunately, I've seen that now. So, <gasps> uh, I'm in the future. <laughs> but. How is this it? is actually a rare, a rare thing where I've seen something you haven't. Normally, it's the other way around. So, I know. We'll have to note this as an event. And as always, our plea to you, the listener, if you like what we do, please give us a like or a review wherever you listen to this fine podcast at. Or better yet, help spread the word and let your friends and Facebook people and Twitter and threads and whoever, all the other podcasting platform, all the other social media platforms, all about us. We would appreciate it. All right, so keeping with our every other rotating review, I think you're up for this one. Excellent. Well, let's go ahead and dive into Farscape, Season 3, Episode 14, Infinite Possibilities, Part 1, Daedalus Demands, because that couldn't be any longer. Not quite as long as, like, look at the princess, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're probably right, but, but it, it's, it's long, felt... yeah. So. <laughs> So much, I didn't think I was going to stop. It's a bunch of long <laughs> words. Much, much of, lots of letters in these words. Yeah. All right. So we open up on Talon with Crichton teaching Aaron to read English. And they start to talk about how the ancients have called for him. And he is now seeking them out. He starts to kiss her leg, which 
when through the window, he sees a familiar sight, a wormhole leading to Earth. On command, Crichton calls for the ancients, and Jack comes aboard, which is Crichton's dad, but not. Anyway, he says that he thought he knew John, but he may have been wrong. If he was, he may have to kill Crichton. So Jack enters Crichton's mind and says that the ancients have found a world to inhabit, but on traveling to this new home, they saw something. Jack shows Crichton an image of the Farscape 1 module being flown through an unstable wormhole by an unknown alien. It happened about a third of a cycle ago, but Crichton says he knows nothing about it. The module also had a phase stabilizer on board, a device allowing for safe travel through any wormhole. Crichton tries to convince Jack that he didn't do anything and he doesn't know of the gift that the ancients gave him. Suddenly, Harvey crawls Crichton and they appear in a fairgrounds bumper cars. Harvey says that Jack will kill both of them if he learns of Harvey's existence. He says that Scorpius didn't build the module. He only has access to Crichton's knowledge of the module. If Crichton couldn't rebuild the module from memory, Scorpius wouldn't be able to either. He leads Crichton to one conclusion, furlough as she is the only person he knows who has had both access to the module and knowledge to duplicate it. Crichton tells Jack about furlough, and they leave his mind. Back on command, Jack shows everyone the alien flying through the wormhole, and Rigel recognizes it. He tells Stark that it was a charad. They invaded Hynerian space 1,000 cycles ago, killing a billion Hynerians, including 80 million of their young. He says that they repelled the charads with suicide attacks, but with wormhole technology, they could invade without warning, as they, and they have no defense against that. Crace enters and says that it's more serious than they could imagine. Unconfirmed reports suggest an alliance between the Charids and the Scarens. Yeah, and we'll go into that a little bit more when we talk about the episode. But anyway. Yeah, Crace is just full, full of knowledge there. Yeah, surprise knowledge. So, yeah. <laughs> surprise. Jack tells Crichton that the Ancients may not be able to defend against hostile species. He stayed behind to stop anyone finding their new home and he probably won't ever be able to join them. They go to Dambada, Furlough's planet, and find it sterilized. Crichton and Aaron take some weapons, and Crichton apologizes for screwing up her life again. They continue talking, and he says that he wouldn't like to go home alone, but she says she wouldn't want him to, and they agree to talk about it later. Everyone leaves in a transport pod, and Jack detects a solar flare. He can sense when they're coming. They land, and Crace, Crichton, and Aaron go to Furlough's base, but are met with heavy gunfire. Another flare comes, and an army of chariots surround them from either side. The three fend them off when Crace announces that Talon knows they're in trouble and is coming to help. They unsuccessfully try to talk Talon out of it because another flare is imminent. Talon comes, but he's blinded by the flare, and because of the neural link, so is Crace. Crichton and Aaron storm the base, while Stark retrieves Crace and takes him back to the pod. Crichton and Aaron find Furlough tied up, and as they cut her down, more chariots attack. They fend them off, saving one for questioning. It threatens them, and Furlough says that the only way into the base is through the front entrance. Furlough shows Crichton the duplicated module and says she flew it through an unstable wormhole four times and survived. She hired the chariots for security, but they double-crossed her, killed all her techs, and tortured her. Stark takes Crace to find Talon, and Rigel and Jack are sent to join Crichton and Aaron. Furlough asks Crichton who Jack is, and he explains that he's here making sure that the wormhole technology doesn't fall into the wrong hands. Rigel goes to the Charid, who threatens him, and Rigel says that he knows about Charid physiology and weaponry. He has a Charid weapon designed to be effective, even against their own kind, 
and he doesn't care that the others want him alive. Jack tells Furlow that she has no idea of the value of the wormhole technology when the chariots begin a mortar attack. As Aaron scouts, she hears a scream. Rigel has killed the chariot, but was told a scared dreadnought is on its way and will arrive in six arms. Aaron says that even if Talon could see, he couldn't stand up to a dreadnought. It's twice the size of a command carrier. She takes Roger with her, and they go to do something about the Cherids. Jack and John tell Furlow that they are prepared to destroy the technology if the Cherids get in. Stark and Crace find Talon badly damaged as Aaron shows Rigel how to operate one of the gun turrets to keep the Cherids away. Rigel is reluctant to stay there alone, but with a bit of reverse psychology, she persuades him. Meanwhile, Jack tells Furlow that a wormhole can be turned into a weapon of incredible destruction. He says that there's too much danger to sell the technology, but Furlow pulls a gun on him. He shows her his true form, saying that he understands the risk that wormhole technology brings and convinces her to put her weapon down. Aaron sets explosives all around the base as Furlow tries to get Crichton to go with her. She says that they can leave before the Scarens arrive, only selling the wormhole technology to peaceful races because the Scarens won't leave anybody breathing. Her computer is suddenly remotely tapped into by the Scarens, and before Crichton and Aaron can blow it up, the Scarens manage to get enough data to create a phase stabilizer of their own. Jack says that they need to destroy the Dreadnought, but they have nothing powerful enough to do it. Jack thinks they can convert the stabilizer to a weapon, but he needs Crichton's help. He tells Crichton of the equations that he implanted in Crichton's memory during their last encounter to guide him to develop it on his own. He says that the knowledge is dangerous and the Ancients didn't want to give it to him at all. He says he can unlock it, but if the Ancients knew that they would kill both of them. But he says he has no choice. Jack gets Furlow to get the things he needs, and once she's gone, Crichton tells Jack that he has a confession, and he tells Jack that he knew of the stuff they put in his their, they put in his head. Jack asks how, and so Crichton tells him that Scorpius put a chip in his head, but it's gone now, more or less. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> yeah, more or less, less of something. When Aaron returns, he says there's more. A chunk of Scorpius' personality was left behind. See, there's the more. Yep. And Jack says they can't unlock the information while Harvey can access it, and says that although his mental powers are limited, together they may be able to drive the clone from his mind. An explosion occurs, and Crichton is knocked unconscious as Cherid storm the lab. Crichton finds himself back at the fairground, summoned by Harvey, who is angry that Crichton wants him removed. He warns Crichton that he infests every part of his brain, and promises that he will fight back if any attempt to remove him is made. Harvey promises to kill Crichton if he follows through on his threat. Aaron and Furlow manage to kill the Cherids, and Aaron wakes Crichton. Crichton has decided to go through with it, and Rigel calls, saying that he has run out of ammo. Aaron goes to give him some more, telling Crichton not to start without her. On Talon, Crace tries to take manual control to help Talon, and says that something doesn't feel right. It must be the docking control. Stark gets through to Aaron, but soon loses communication when a flare strikes. Aaron stocks up Rigel's ammo as he fends off some chariots on vehicles, apparently enjoying this. Aaron returns to Crichton, and he hands over his gun. After they kiss, Jack begins. Harvey and Crichton are back on the roller coaster. Harvey pleads with John for mercy as he doesn't want the wormhole knowledge. Although Scorpius does have a copy, Harvey doesn't know or care if he can access it, so there's no reason to get rid of him. But Crichton disagrees. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Everything's fine. I'm, I'm just a happy guy here. I'm just, I'm just your friend. Yeah, just part of your personality. You know, no big deal. He says that he's happy to coexist, but Crichton isn't. 
As the roller coaster starts to pick up speed, Harvey reminds Crichton that he's helped him in the past and even saved his life. But Crichton counters that Harvey was helping himself. As the coaster begins to fall, Harvey tells John that the alien is using him and he'll kill everyone when he's finished with Crichton, who gets angry when he lists Aaron as a possible victim, since Harvey killed her. Harvey reminds him that she's alive, but Crichton tells him that they lost Zan as a result. Harvey feels himself starting to be purged from Crichton's mind and gets desperate. As Jack struggles, Harvey and Crichton are seen hanging from the roller coaster structure. Harvey begs to be saved, but John refuses. And Harvey climbs up and dangerously snarls, I warned you, just before they both fall. In real time, Crichton and Jack fall to the floor. Rigel continues to fire, but a number of vehicles come from behind and launch a mortar into the turret, which leaves Rigel badly wounded. Aaron finishes CPR on Crichton and he awakes, only it's not Crichton, it's Harvey. Scorpius John grabs Aaron by the throat and says that Crichton gambled and lost. With tears in her eyes, Aaron puts Crichton's gun to his head, ready to shoot him. To be continued. Dun, dun, dun. So see, there, there's a part two. Yeah, I, yeah, we're we we definitely are following through on that one. That or we're in for a weird ride when the other crew picks up next episode. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so a little trivia about this episode: Ben Browder and Wayne Pygram were among the last to ride the roller coaster at Luna Park. The coaster was dismantled shortly after filming and transferred to Queensland. Sydney Harbour Bridge can be seen during the amusement park scene. Flooding affected the shooting of this episode. Ben Browder pulled his hamstring while filming the episode, though he kept running until the director yelled, cut. John saying to Harvey, for everything there is a season, a time to keep, a time to cast away, is a callback to season of death, which was episode one of season three. And finally, Jack, the ancient's reason for coming after John in this episode, is for the misuse of the knowledge that he gave to John in a human reaction. But the data that Furlow used was from Till the Blood Runs Clear, which was five episodes before John received the wormhole knowledge. Oops. Eh, continuity. Who cares? Eh, that's a while back. I'd forgotten. So, so what'd you think, Eric? Well, like you've said on numerous podcasts before, uh, Farscape really does its multi-part episodes really well. I mean, and this, of course, has been no exception. You know, part one, this is almost constant action from the beginning. Plus, you know, they also insert scenes that further the overall plot line of the whole Farscape series, like the moral knowledge, aliens, you know, even calling back to furlough. Although, like most shows were, at least back in this time, you pretty much knew they weren't going to kill off most of the major characters, hardly ever. You know, Zan being an you know, exception, that was more mostly because the actress had issues with the makeup, not because she wanted to leave the show. But some of these action bits were just a little too unbelievable, like, how many chariots are there? Looks like about a thousand. I don't know. And, you know. No one gets a scratch on them or even close to being shot at, except, you know, of course, Rigel, because it you know suits the plot. But, you know, that's been kind of Rigel's year so far. He's, he's hurt, <laughs> I think, probably every other episode <laughs> so far. Other than that, you know, this was a great episode. Top tier. I love seeing Kent McCord playing the ancient Jack again. I love calling back to Furlough because she was great until till the blood runs clear. And I'm you know, kind of glad they brought her back at least for another episode, hopefully. And like I said, with like, you know, in, you know, further the overall plot of Fire Escape, you know, we're, I guess, now ramping up the threat of the Scarens that they hinted at a while back that there could be a war with the Peacekeepers. So this is, I guess, bringing that more to the forefront that they're after the normal technology also that the 
peacekeepers said that they were also messing with. So I guess now it's kind of an arms race of who gets the wormhole tech first, right? So we'll see. Yeah, and it's definitely interesting to see the the scare and peacekeeper escalate, right? With what we got one entire season to go after three plus the miniseries. There's there's a lot of ground I think they can cover and mine out of that. I I will have to admit though, I really needed that opening recap because I had no clue what was going on at the start of this one. Almost like I felt like I'd missed an episode. The talk of John being summoned and stuff, I was kind of trying to figure out that I missed that. Had I forgotten it? Maybe that's due to the bouncing between the crews, right? That may be a weak point that I kind of forgot what was happening in the last crew. Almost need a, a recap myself. And, you know, it doesn't help that with my memory, I'd also completely forgotten about furlough until we got the introduction and reminder of who she was, right? So mm-hmm. I, I did really enjoy it. Like you said, they, they definitely pull out all the stops on the multi-parters. And I, I kind of feel like, especially this season where we've had, at least lately, I don't feel like we've had a lot of movement, you know, a lot of bottle episodes and a lot of things affected the characters, but nothing that really changed the dynamic. And I kind of feel like the, they, they saved that for the multi-parters where we may can get some changes in the status quo. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Yeah, and then when I usually watch TV shows, and it's like they give you the option to like you know skip recap or skip intro, you know skip uh, opening credits. Usually I'm like, yeah, next, fine, fine. Oh yeah, maybe I'll just hang on to the recap because, like you said, it's been almost two seasons, I guess, or ish since we had the furlough episode. So yeah, I was like, no, actually a bad recap. They kind of explained the whole thing for you right there. So if you were new to Farscape or hadn't watched parts of the prior seasons, kind of pretty much gave you a good background baseline to what you're going to experience the next hour. Which is actually something we we tend to forget, or at least I do, on these uh, since we were watching them streaming, right? Is that these were aired on TV, and if you didn't have a way to record or go back, odds are good if you missed it, you don't have a clue what happened, especially at previous seasons. So yeah, you almost have to have those kind of recaps. Yeah, and until streaming came along, or you know, I don't know when they might have released these on vhs back in the day or then to dvd and blu-ray now but yeah i mean if yeah if you if you missed it and missed the reruns or you know because you didn't know what episode they're going to schedule or whatever yeah you're out of luck we come such a long way in the last 20 years back in my day anyway yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a beta max no anyway my grandparents did yeah we did too we we picked the wrong one in that in that battle anyway but yeah so okay let's uh go through this kind of chronologically since why not so we get the nice opening fake out that Jack shows up and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have to kill you, maybe Crichton. And like, what? <laughs> so that kind of ramps up the tension. You know, he didn't really think that the last time he met Jack, he was all this evil guy. You know, he was trying to check things out, see what's going on. And thinks Crichton's a nice guy because they gave him that wonderful wormhole knowledge. But Although since there's two Crichtons, maybe he doesn't know that. So if this Crichton say you know, arguments say say this Crichton was selling off stuff and doing nasty things, if he does kill him, then there's the other Crichton. So, you know, oops. But maybe because this Jack was or this Crichton was calling for Jack, that that's why he came to Talon. So and didn't know about the other one. Because he, maybe he's not calling out to other Crichton. Maybe we'll find out next episode. Maybe not. I don't know. Although, kind of where they left this off, I'm not quite sure we're going to get the other crew next time, which will break the cycle of crew switching episodes. So, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that that was kind of my expectation, right? I kind of expected that this was going to be, you know, this multi-parter was going to be what they used to re- reunite the crew and bring them all back together and, you know, whatever. But maybe not. Maybe this is 
we're riding out the rest of the season with separate crews and separate spaces. So just exactly how far apart are they, you know? Yeah, because obviously they must have some way of finding out where each other is at some point because they're, they're going to regroup. So I don't know if, you know, Talon can talk to Moya or vice versa, you know, from some wonderful Leviathan biological technology. Who knows? I don't know. You know, Although maybe they might show up maybe at the end of next episode, I'm thinking. Maybe. I don't know. We'll just, But it seems like they have enough going on that bringing in the other crew at this point can be like overkill. Yeah, because not, not to jump ahead, but now I'm kind of questioning because it, it, it's jogging my memory. This is the Crichton that doesn't even know that wormholes liquefy you, right? That's the other Crichton. So we've got some interesting knowledge dispersed across. Yeah, it's true. So yeah, it'll be inter- interesting to see when or if the Crichtons get back together. Yeah, how they're gonna like you know update each other on what they've missed, <laughs> so. or maybe they don't. But we'll get to that at the end. Yeah, so. I, I have my own theory here, <laughs> so we'll see. Which would suck, but then that's how drama. Anyway, we'll get to that when we get to that. So yeah, so they see this uh, mysterious alien piloting uh, Farscape One, which is also on Moya. But anyway, and um, only Rigel seems to know that they're called Charids, I guess, or Charid, whatever, because of what they did. You know, in, yeah, I'm probably slaughtered that pronunciation. I don't know. But hey, it's, it's been like a week since I saw the episode, but I think it's I think it was Charid. But yeah, you know, obviously Rigel knows what they are because of the history with his planet. And then Kray suddenly pops up and says, "Hey, I got some unconfirmed reports that uh, they've allied themselves with the Scarens." Um, so what? Nobody bothered to revoke Kray's security clearance, and he's just like picking intelligence reports in the Peacekeepers. I'm guessing. Or there's some kind of like uncharted territories internet that just says, you know, you know, hot take news flash, you know, chariots working with Scarens. I don't know. They they posted it on a BBS somewhere. (laughs) But yeah, but but I guess you could theorize that maybe Talon's connected to Peacekeeper Security Network or something since that's, you know, he was bred to be a, a warship. But that still seems like some bad security just to have it open to something like him just because he's got peacekeeper tech yeah because if they're hunting for him from the retrieval squads from the prior you know times we've seen this crew yeah it's like you wouldn't want to shut that off first before you capture it but... yeah he should have seen him coming right because they should have been a bbs posting that said hey we're hunting for a talon so yeah so whatever we'll just chalk it up to you know adding the drama so what are you gonna do yeah plot and hey we got harvey back love to see harvey always love harvey and I love how they get creative every time he does show up because before it was, you know, he just pops in to whatever Crichton's doing in real life, you know, but now that the real neural chip is gone, really is just kind of like what's happening inside Crichton's head. So they can, they can kind of just do whatever they want to do. And this time they go to amusement park, which I know from the trivia was like, you know, a amusement park in Australia, but I guess they kind of made up some Coney Island signs and slapped them on there to make you think it's like New York, but eh, whatever. That's fine. That's Except right. for the bridge, right? You know, yeah. You can't hide a bridge. So. And John's an American, so I don't know where, he's, I don't know where Iasa was from. Like, But anyway, he's would know more about Coney Island probably than in Australia Amusement Park. And I don't know how they did it, but that's like some great acting on the bumper cars, which is kind of fun because they bang into each other and you know keep driving around. But especially the roller coaster acting. I mean, I don't know how many takes it took them to get that, but the timing of them going up the roller coaster and doing all the dialogue in time to get to the top. And then while they're going down and rolling around the roller coaster, they're still acting. I mean, it, it was, I was like, wow, that's incredible. I'm like, is it like one take? How many takes did it take to do this? Cause you know, I guess if you like roller coasters, you know, like we had said at the top of the show, that's fantastic. If you don't, 
that's gonna be some good acting to get through that. Yeah, especially if they hang from one. But uh, I also find it interesting, given the fact that the roller coaster was removed. Uh, I guess it was moved to a new location, not just removed, but shortly after they they filmed this, makes those repeated takes more interesting, right? Because you've got a they basically tied up the the roller coaster for whatever they were filming while other people are trying to ride it before it gets moved. I don't know. That's just kind of an interesting thought to kind of put yourself back then and try to figure out the logistics. Yeah, I guess that's part of being on a TV show. They have people scouting locations, and I guess someone's like, hey, we have this roller, you know, this amusement park that they're getting rid of that, you know, no one's there. It'd be cool. We can maybe talk to the company and get on there for a day or shoot some stuff. And of course, like we said in the recap, it's, you know, gun battle fest in this episode. Uh, you know, every other scene is you know a gun battle outdoors inside wherever and i guess as we said before you know most of the shows before this were like bottle episodes so i guess they had still some money left over and they're probably saving a good chunk of it for like the two-parter because you want to have a big impactful couple episodes or at least this is where most of the special effects budget probably went given all the explosives and explosions and weapons fire although you can probably replay some of those scenes over and over again from different angles and you know only blow things up once and use it five times, but hey. Yeah, just have people dive to different directions and you can, you know, call it different scenes. So Yeah, and then we get to see Talon strafing, you know, the ground. So that was kind of cool. And of course, not listening to anybody and doing it. And then, of course, getting damaged as a result. But, you know, that's Talon being Talon. You know, young, impulsive Leviathan. And of course, it adds to the tension because now they probably can't get away because Talon's damaged. You know, the scare and Dreadnought's coming, and they can't get off the planet. So, you know, you have to, you have to ramp up the tension in part one. Yeah, and and always taking the transport off the board, right? It's always a big part of that, because now you've got stranded characters, or at least mostly stranded. I don't know how many can fit in their Farscape module, but I don't think it's all of them. So. Yeah, I just thought, as you were doing the recap, that um, Chris said there's a problem with, like, the docking module. So I'm like, well... So that means like they maybe can't get off the ship to pick them up, or maybe some Chareds have docked with Talon, and that's that's gonna be part two. Maybe they're on board the ship, and I'm gonna have some problem. I don't know. Thinking ahead, of, thinking out loud. Yeah, I missed that. So that's that's a good one. And let's see. Let's go into our our, our boy Rigel here. His usual. Let's just leave everybody. He tries that, and that they shut that down real fast. So thank thank you. But, but he then, had to get it in. Yeah, I mean that's you know you have to. It's, it's in his contract. Yeah. But then, of course, Aaron, you know, sweet talks him and he gets a backbone. And now he's like on the gun turret, just happily blowing away chariots left and right and having a good old time. So, okay, cool. And so I don't know if that's because he knows that he can't get back. So either he has to help defend them or he's going to die. So he's got no choice. But is he really a coward? I don't think he's ever been like cowardish. It's just if he's not in control of something... Or has some kind of angle he can, you know, exploit, like for money, profit, you know, people's belongings when they die or leave the ship, you know, then he doesn't care. He doesn't want to do anything about it. Yeah, I think it's always a, a whatever serves his self-interest and requires minimal effort, right? I mean, if if he doesn't have to, he's not going to. And if it can profit from it, he's going to go that route. But if he has to, or if there's something personal in it for him, like torturing somebody that he feels benefits him, then he's all bored. Yeah, because I mean, he he is vengeful. I mean, that that we can get definitely say from previous episodes. You know, he tortured the guy that tortured him for hundred years, hundred cycles. Um, I forget the guy's name. It's a peacekeeper captain that we found that one episode. So he you know he kind of has revenge against him. And then of course here, not personally 
he probably didn't personally experience the chariots attacking stuff a thousand cycles ago. And I don't think Hadarians lived that long, but that's probably all throughout their history. And, you know, being the leader of his planet or empire or whatever, you know, I'm sure that's first and foremost, like if you ever come across chariots again, you must, you know, attack them, kill them because they, what they did to us. So yeah, this is like ingrained in him or personal also. So that makes sense what he did there. And let's see, uh, as I said before, I love furlough. I loved her back in the first episode and all her scenes in this one are just as good as the other episode she was in. I, I don't know. I guess they were kind of flirting maybe before. I can't remember the other episode, but this time around, she's like trying to sweet talk him into going with her. She's like kissing him like they have some kind of romantic thing. I didn't think they were flirting, but anyway, that's, it was fun to see him like, what? what? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then even after learning what wormhole, wormhole tech could do, you know, she still, of course, has her got to make money angle. So like, well, maybe we just sell it to peaceful people that won't do anything bad with it. So, you know, her, her and Rachel should get together because they, they make a perfect uh, con artist, uh, you know, capitalist uh, cabal here. Throw in Chiana and you're good to go. Yeah, there you go. You got the perfect uh, group of people there. Although, you know, she's seemingly going along with destroying the stuff once Jack shows her his true form and explains everything. We still got one episode to go, so we'll see if that's really true or she's trying to have some angle of, you know, if the opportunity presents itself, you know, she's going to take the data and maybe bug out on her own somehow. Yeah, it, I, I do appreciate the consistency of character, right? It, it, she definitely has that. She, she brings a pragmatic side, you know, looking for a benefit, looking for, you know, Almost a mix of, of Rigel, which, you know, is always looking for the, the payout. But she also reminds me a little bit of the early season one Crichton, right? When he was, everything was about benefiting him and getting him to, to Earth. It was it was more of a pragmatic approach to things as opposed to the altruistic. It's been a while since I did a comparison to our team. So, you know, like a Guardians of the Galaxy approach, right? Where they, they, while they, they claim to be, you know, rough, they, they're really out to save people here. And I, I, I think our crew's kind of moved in that direction and less pragmatic and just getting what's benefits them and getting out. Yeah, Cause even like a few episodes ago here, like Dargo was calling John out for like, Oh, you think there's some wormholes here somewhere. Let's, let's keep looking for it, please. Let's I've got nothing else to do, you know? <laughs> so, and probably the big, I guess half or so of this episode is uh Harvey, our friend. So, you know, Crichton reveals that, uh, yeah, I got this thing in my head uh, there, Mr. Ancient Jack. And uh, yeah, we kind of did know what you put in my head. And then Jack does kind of put it all together that, well, they, I can't unlock the full knowledge while Harvey's there because if Harvey ever gets out or gets in control or somehow we get the info back to the real Scorpius, then that would be even worse. You know, now you'd just be in the same position again of now you have that knowledge over there that you have to destroy or get rid of. Although technically from what we saw, what, two episodes ago, maybe? Was it Meltdown? Was it Meltdown? Anyway, whatever it was, but... You know, the real Scorpius is really close to getting stuff working. You know, he's got to get that phase shielding figured out. And then now we got to, is Jack going to come back for that too? It's like, oh, hey, by the way, <laughs> now we got to deal with this person. So I don't know. We'll see where it goes. So he's the new Q protecting the, the wormhole tech. He's just going to show up anytime that they need him. No, uh, <laughs> there's my Star Trek reference. See, you should be proud of me for hey, that there one. There you go. Well, that's a next gen. You, you saw that. So yeah, I'll give you that one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair. Give me my little one. Um, I, I did think the, the Harvey stuff, at least until he kind of revealed himself, which we'll talk about in a minute, was kind of weak because he's not the actual neural chip, right? He's a remnant. And so he's not really got a way to report to Scorpius. It's not like, like there's a risk of whatever Harvey learns getting to Scorpius. 
So I'm not sure I could figure out how he would report back or how, what that risk is. Yeah, because I guess like what is left over from the neural chip? Is it still like the desire to get the wormhole knowledge and give it back to the real Scorpius? Or is he just thinks maybe that might get him out of his head somehow? Like, yeah, I don't know what the what the end game of, of well, what Harvey thinks the end game is, but other than just surviving. I don't know. Right, just kind of hang out and ride or music part rides yeah you know or if you got the same you know scorpius's personality then of course it's yeah you know survive at all costs you know get power and whatever so who knows i mean as you see at the end i mean he's in control so we'll see what he does if he survives but but yeah so those final scenes you know up until this point harvey's mostly been kind of this, this cool happy ish go lucky kind of persona but i guess when push comes to shove he kind of goes full scorpius you know, he's not going to go down without a fight. And as we saw at the end, he's seemingly in control of Crichton's body, which we know because he looks like Scorpius, although Aaron doesn't see that. But, you know, that's shorthand for the audience that yeah, that's not Crichton. So. That's always disconcerting to me to see the, the Scorpius get up on you know, what's supposed to be Crichton. It just kind of throws me off. I don't know. Yeah, he gets that kind of his version of a British accent or whatever. So, oh, it's, it's definitely not Crichton. Even if he doesn't look like Crichton, I know it's not because he doesn't speak like Crichton. <laughs> so, yeah. So if you weren't sure because of what he looks like, he can hear that it's not the same person. And, you know, we, we know Aaron's not going to pull the trigger because then, although maybe she will because she got the other Crichton. <laughs> but, yeah, she's probably not going to do that because, you know, she's in love with this Crichton. So. Always Tudor are, right? No, wait. Yeah, wait. Wrong. <laughs> well, that goes into something else. I think I have somewhere else, which we'll talk about in the next time bit. But yeah, another movie quote about you know more than one. But yeah, I mean you know she's not going to do it. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see what the resolution is next time. Speaking of, yeah. So if you know nothing else to talk about, then yeah, next time on Farscape before we get into our secret invasion recap, if you don't care, don't want to have to come back to us talking about next time for something else. So next time we're going to cover season three, episode fifteen, Infinite Possibilities, Part Two. Ha, ah, see, Icarus abides. So our usual guessing game of what does that episode title mean? I don't know what the title necessarily means, but they dropped enough hints in this episode about John and Aaron's future together. You know, with them having a little romantic time in the beginning, him teaching her English for when they get home, saying he doesn't want to go home without her, and you know, they'll talk later. Uh, yeah, well, with the cliffhanger they gave us, that Harvey might be in control. Uh, to quote Highlander, there could be only one. So, whether that's both in John's head of only one personality, or with the number of Johns in general. Because so, we got two. So I'm going to go out on the, the limb here and say by the end of next episode, the Italian Crichton will be dead. He'll have sacrificed himself to destroy the Scarron Dreadnought by taking that phase shield device on board and blowing it up. Which means then we'll get all the drama when Aaron gets back to the Moya, and there's that John who has no clue what's happened with him and, well, the other him and Aaron for the last however many quarter cycles or whatever. And I guess it does kind of keep the, the Icarus name theme going where, you know, Icarus, his wings melted and he fell to the sea and died. So that's my guess. Yeah, which I could see because there wasn't a whole lot of Daedalus. Uh, syncing up with this episode, I know that's in the title, but I really didn't find a good application for it. I I don't know that I can disagree with your take. I can definitely tell you that I'm not a fan of it. 
I'm not sure I like that because I've seen to, I prefer this Crichton to the other. The other Crichton's kind of a jerk, especially in that last episode, which I think I beat to death, so I'll move on. But I, I just, you know, this this Crichton seems a little more on the ball, which is funny because they're clones. But And I think losing his memories of all the stuff he's done with Aaron would be the waste, which is probably why they're, they're doing it, right? Because it it'll hit harder. Let me see. Definitely some melted wings in the future for that one. If I'm trying to think through the, the other ways you could use the title, um, Talon was flying too close to the sun and got hit, so there may be some repercussions to him being blinded, but Talon seems to heal pretty quick, so I don't know that that's going to stick. Yeah, or maybe if we wanted to wrap up kind of both p- plot lines here, maybe uh, Crichton pilots Talon and crashes Talon into the Dreadnought. I don't know. <laughs> Take out uh, everybody on the on the duplicate plot line here, and just, you know just, he kicks everybody off the ship. You know, Craze, Rigel, Aaron, Stark. You know, kick all them off, and you know, Kamikaze's the talent into the dreadnought. I don't know. Can we can we just sacrifice Craze and keep Crichton? Because I like him better anyway. <laughs> yeah. Have Craze do something uh, worthwhile? No, yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but no, because Craze has made the deal with uh, Aaron's mother. Even though he said, is that what you think, Crichton? I'm like, yeah, that's what we do think, really. So, yeah. <laughs> so we have to have that plot line come back sometime. So That's true. She's still out there somewhere we have to deal with. But, yeah, so we will see if we're right next time or not. Although, really, we remember what we said last time to go check. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Until somebody actually holds us accountable, we're just going to forget and move on. So Unless someone wants to go through and make, like, a, a little recap of bored and be like you know you said this you know you're right or wrong no we don't know so. just give me a zero batting average and move on i don't think i've been right yet so <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then, you know i've seen these at some you know at some point on and off before and i can't remember much of anything so it's been too long so to me it's like watching again with some vague recollections of yeah this is going to change at some point <laughs> so, we'll see all right so that is your homework for the farscape part of next time so stay tuned after the little musical theme break here of the invasion secret invasion theme to hear us talk about that all right so we'll just do our little brief recap of season one episode four of secret invasion and then we'll go over how we thought about it sounds like a plan yeah all right in keeping with our one word episode titles uh, Episode four is called Beloved or Beloved, depending on how you want to say that word. In this case, I think it's Beloved. That's how they said it. it that aligns with the poem. Yep. So, yeah. So we'll, we'll go with that because it's more artistic. So before she attempted to run away from the rebels, we have a little flashback here to start open with. Gaia used Gravik's machine to give her extremis. Uh, this allowed her to recover from Gravik's gunshot wound that looked fatal for last time. So nope, she wasn't dead. And meets up with Talos. Talos explains to her that Talos is planning to ask U.S. President Ritson to help the Skrulls after they, they successfully stop the Rebels, which kind of disappoints Gaia, who hoped for a stronger plan to find them a new home than just hopefully maybe the President might be nice. Uh, meanwhile, Priscilla, uh, that's Fury's wife we didn't know about from last time, meets with Rhodey, who is a Skrull named Rava, which we kind of figured, and he instructs her to kill Fury. But both are unaware that Fury is listening in on their conversation. Fury later confronts Priscilla at their house over this demand, but they make amends after she reveals that she took an oath to her human counterpart to never harm her lover. Fury then visits Rhodey and shares a drink with him and secretly gives him a liquid tracker. Fury and Talos then follow Rhodey as he goes to pick up Ritson for talks with Russia. 
when, of course, Gravik and the rebels attack Ritson's convoy disguised as Russian terrorists. Fury and Talos extract the unconscious Ritson with help from British soldiers, but Talos is wounded in the process. And as Fury's walking Talos back to their car, assuming the form of a British soldier, Gravik stabs Talos in front of Fury. Alright, so that was episode 4, so if you cannot confuse it with episode 5, that you already watched it, which I didn't, what do you think? So I, I really enjoyed this one, although it's again with the death, right? We always <laughs> seem to, to, to close out with a death. I think I think I'm gonna go the opposite on this one, and I, I'm gonna say we lose Talos. This is gonna be a a, a a permanent death. The we'll we'll step into this maybe a little bit, but I, I'm not sure you can trust who you see in this show. So there's there's some questions I have that may not even get answered as we go through it. But yeah, uh, overall, I, I did really enjoy it. I, I'll I think I'll I'll touch on some of my my thoughts of the season overall when we get there. But a, a good episode that I think moved things forward, and and it was good to see Rhodey. And then, yeah, at, at this point, I'm just kind of taking it as I don't believe anything's going on at this point. Like, who's who? I'm just going to watch it. And if, oh, this person's a scroll, okay, fine. I mean, because the way, the way they set this up, anybody could be a scroll. So you, you don't know. You can't tell. If they're dropping hints, I ain't getting them. So I'll just, you know, watch what they show me and be like, oh, okay, he's a scroll now, or she's a scroll. Okay. <laughs> so. Right. I'm not going to try and guess anymore. I started guessing in the first episode or two, and I'm like, I no, I'm just going to be like, okay, you're going to do what you're going to do, and I'm just along for the ride. So, But I think part of the fun that this this brings up, and, and it, like I said, I don't know that they'll get there, but it'd be fun if they did, was to try to do some looking at, at what the introduction of the scrolls mean to the Marvel Cinematic Universe across the board, because at any point in any movie, any character could be a scroll. Like, <laughs> you could... Right. There's, there's no, unless they died and didn't revert back, you've really got got no idea that anybody you ever interacted with was not a scroll. Yeah, so you know, all this time, maybe you know, Mary Jane from the Spider-Man movies was a scroll. We don't know. And would it fit? Probably. Who knows? You know, <laughs> would it just, would it disappoint me? Depends. Maybe. <laughs> what was the old Captain America that came back a scroll, and the real Captain America still kicking it around? I mean, you could, you could do this all day, right? I mean, mm-hmm. See what I did. Anyway. Yeah. Right. And then, um, yeah, just after we stopped recording last time, I was like, oh, I know how guy is not dead. Extremis. And uh, there you go. So, <laughs> yeah. So that kind of maybe takes the, the one theory about people were talking about, about maybe her being Abigail Brand, the head of S.W.O.R.D. or Saber here in the MCU. But then again, we have two more episodes to go and anything's possible. And again, if it's true or not, will it will it bum me out? No. But it's a cool theory, and it'd be fun to see if it was true or not. Yeah, I, like I was kind of mentioning there a minute ago about not trusting anything. I'll I'll take the full. I was definitely wrong on this one. I really thought they were gonna do some permanent deaths, and the fact that I was wrong about this one has me questioning Hill from season or episode one, right? Season one. It's all season one. But yeah, now I'm wondering is is Hill dead? Are we gonna see her back before the the seasons are out? Uh, yeah, that that'd be an interesting and thing. Again, I don't. I don't know that I trust anything in this uh, show right now. So. Yeah, well, we were saving that for the end, but yeah, let's let's yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with you that yeah, Talos is probably dead. I mean, at some point they have to keep people dead. I mean, I mean, I, I know it's a, you know TV show based on comic books, and comic books people never die truly. Some people do sometimes, but a lot of times they come back. But yeah, I mean, at this point you gotta start keeping people dead. Otherwise, you're kind of like losing the tension here with the show, right? So. Yeah, let's say Talos is dead. 
which of course then like i said before and other times people were dead or not that the remainder the survivors you know fury and gaia you know are going to have obviously some emotional fallout from that right i mean she's finally making up with her dad and now he's dead gravik who she was following now is you know she wants to kill him probably and maybe like a scroll giving his life for the u.s president will come back at the end of episode six if they want to conclude this as a reason for maybe helping them find a new home i don't know but that's always a good motivator in, in tv shows you know someone sacrifices themselves for somebody and then they do them a favor later posthumously or whatever and, and i think you just nailed on what i'm thinking is that i think i think the deaths may be more related to were they did they were they sacrificial right were they meaningful you know in the case of gaia right if she, if she had died what was the meaning right she didn't sacrifice herself for anything but if but in Talos' case, you know, like you said, there's a potential that there could be a, a sacrifice play there that that may be meaningful to the story. So it'll be interesting to see if that holds. Don't hold me to that one if it doesn't. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, like we said a second ago, you know, anything's possible in this show, and I'm so long for the ride. So you know, I'll I'll tell you after the end of episode six, was I just disappointed in the whole thing or not? <laughs> so, right. So far, everything's great. And I guess uh, jumping around a little bit, um, so talking about like superpowers so we see another superpower from the list of stuff that they talked about in the one episode a couple episodes ago so we see gravik using groot like abilities with the battle with the british soldiers you know he like stretches out his arm it looks like scroll vine uh, plant kind of things so and it, like strangles a soldier or something so we always got at least two superpowers or two not superpowers but like two abilities you know the groot's plant growth stretchy thing and extremis so I mean, if he's if the end game of this is to like stop him permanently by killing him or whatever, you're gonna have to do something really major to destroy him because they pretty much like shot most of his face off and it grew back. So I mean, you're pretty much gonna have to like blow his head off or disintegrate him or something because I'm sure even extremists can't fix that. Yeah, although I'm gonna say I'm 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 wondering at this point, given how much, yeah, uh, you know, there's only what two episodes left of this. He may survive the the series, right? We may be left with something that, that being a an un- incomplete plot thread. He may still be out there to menace Earth if if we don't get him handled by the end of a couple of episodes from now. So that'll that'll be an interesting thing because you're right with Extremis, it's going to take something pretty big to to knock him down. And yeah, you, you just maybe think about it when you mentioned Groot abilities, right? It, you could always plant a twig and grow him again because we've seen that. Oh, good point. Yeah, anything about that? Yeah, so you have like a little mini, mini graphic running around, <laughs> carrying around in a pot for a little while. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, because if this is season one and not just Secret Invasion, then what's season two going to be about, right? Or if they take us into the rest of the MCU movies or TV shows, you know, what would it look like? So yeah, who knows? Again, yeah, ask me at the end of episode six, and I'll, then I'll let you know. Right, because we haven't really talked about what what that means for the Marvel's movie coming out, right? I mean, I don't I haven't watched the whole I haven't watched the trailers for that yet, so maybe it's unrelated. But I know the scrolls were introduced in her movie, so it, there's a lot of possible setup that could be happening. I just don't know at this point. Yeah, I haven't watched the trailer yet. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see like if they carry it forward or at least the fallout of whatever's happening because you have a million scrolls probably appearing as humans all over the planet. So it's going to be some fallout with that, like, like with the blip, you know, they kind of danced around it, but they have been bringing that into, you know, the future shows here. So if what effects that have on people. 
And then we get some nice scenes with Fury and Priscilla, his wife. You know, we learned all about her backstory and why she took the, you know, the, the appearance that she has, that, you know, it's an actual person, not just a made up face, you know, and, you know, we have the, the poem stuff. And that's kind of also why she didn't kill Fury because of what she promised her other self plus the poem. And it was, I mean, it was funny when they both shot at each other and missed, although he didn't know because, I mean, obviously she's not going to shoot Fury because otherwise that'd be a, a end of the show or he was a scroll somehow or something, and which would make no sense, but. But why even shoot at all? Like, just like, oh, okay, I'm not gonna shoot you. I'm not gonna shoot you either. And put your guns down. But you know, it's it's drama, and that's how they get you. It's like, what happened? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously they were testing each other out. You could you could come up with a lot of headcanon things here. I think the the overall one you nailed, which is it makes for a really good scene and some some drama. I I do also want to point out. Uh, I, find, I always like the symbolism in the background. Then maybe I'm I feel like I'm in high school English class looking for meaning and things that may or may not be there. But the, the masks on the wall, you know, were, were faces and one of them gets shot. And I always think that's an interesting, you know, was that intentional or they, were they saying something about shooting of masks there? Or, or I don't know. Just, just fun, fun stuff to make you think about. Yeah. Could be, you know, all those writers like their uh, metaphors and stuff. So, and that's kind of what the whole, the whole series is about, right? Like, you know, you all know who's who, right? They're all wearing masks effectively. Right. So, and, you know, Fury continues to get his groove back, so to speak. You know, he's getting back those the sharp skills he haven't used for however many years up in space. He's bugged, you know, Priscilla and Rhodey without them knowing about it. And when he was talking with Rhodey, he kind of kept playing the part of the, you know, I don't know what's going on. You know, I just really want my job back. Please, Mr. Rhodey, sir, you know, kind of give me my job back. You know, help, help a brother out, as he kept saying. Which is also him playing into that scroll's emotions and his thinking about, you know, that he still has all the power over Fury and, you know, Fury has no clue what's going on and haha, I'm devious and I'm wonderful. And, you know, so he, he's getting that Spymaster groove back. Yeah, but, and I, I mentioned Brody a little bit earlier. I I think that's one of my favorite things about this series so far is watching the actor, you know, get to be be a cocky, arrogant jerk Brody, right? Because this, this is the scroll talking and stuff and it's it's... It's so much fun to see that interpretation as opposed to the one we got in the the other MCU appearances. You know, I really would like some backstory on on this scroll. How long's it been? How long ago did, did Rhodey get replaced? Was was it there for some of the other things? You know, how far back does it go? And everything. It is a nice touch too. Also, that this is a female scroll, right? So it kind of goes against type to have you know they don't feel the need, the need for for males to be males and and females to be females. It's just you know a face is a face. And I find that an interesting thing as well. Yeah, and you're kind of wondering, like, why hasn't Rhodey put on the War Machine armor, right? Like, does it not work because it's tied to, like, Rhodey's brain pattern or, you know, whatever kind of security or whatever, you know, Stark might have put in the suits, right? So that, you know, the scroll, even though he has, like, Rhodey's thoughts, it, the suit might not work because it doesn't think he's the real Rhodey? I don't know. Or they just don't want to spring for the special effects <laughs> to, to put it in the show. Yeah, because I mean, he could just suit up and start World War Three by having War Machine, Iron Patriot, whatever it currently is, go be start a war. So there's there's all kind of interesting things there. Yeah, you could just just have him go like you know strafe the, the the square in Moscow and oh you know the U.S. you know Avenger military you know President Attache attacked you know Russia oh whatever but they didn't do that so yeah who knows? Again, two episodes to go. We'll see, but they're probably not going to bring War Machine in. That's you got to save that for Armor Wars, right? Right. Yeah. 
that's when the real fun so hey maybe they'll bring that into the armor wars maybe all right we'll see and uh yeah i guess you know graphics grand plan of getting the big superpowers to blow each other up and the rest of the world you know didn't happen last time so i guess next plan or maybe part of the same plan assassinate the u.s president and frame russia for it so let's try it this way <laughs> so Although this plan, you know, the, the other plan last week was, okay, fine, you know, shoot down the, the plane and, okay, fine, start the war. You know, no one has to know who it was or wasn't real or who, who didn't do anything. This time around, though, this plan has to work completely. Like, they have to kill everybody on the convoy side so that they can take away any scroll bodies, because obviously when they get, you know, people were, you know, scrolls were shot as Russian, you know, posing as Russian terrorists, so they would revert back to their true form. Although we only see any of that, but maybe we'll see it next time. And, you know, since they had to retreat, you know, it didn't work and they had to retreat. So, I mean, pretty much their plan at this point is blown. I mean, you know, the, the secret of the secret invasion is is gone now because there's scroll bodies all over the place. So it's going to be interesting to see now. And plus, the one British soldier did see Talos as a scroll. So the, now the jig's up. You know, they know that there are aliens, which, you know, two episodes to go. So that's that's the point. I mean, they got to start you know, exposing the plot here, the, the, the secret. So... You know. Yeah, it, it is not the first alien to invade the Earth, though, right? I mean, they've got plenty of—it's it, an interesting thought to, to remember that there was the invasion of New York. There's been all these incursions of the different MCU movies with Asgard and uh, Wakanda. Doctor Strange yeah. and Wakanda. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of the blip. I mean, these, this, this Earth is really desensitized to a lot of weird stuff. So it, it, what trips what trips that wire, right? What's what what would 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 cross a line that would amaze people? Yeah. Or if it gets out that like you know, you know, your neighbor or your wife or your child could be an alien, you know, that you know, that will set off who knows what. Yeah. Add that to the blip stuff that we saw uh with tensions already from Captain America. I'm sorry, I keep saying that from uh Falcon and Winter Soldier. And you, you could potentially have some nice powder keg things they could milk there. So yeah, so if they keep going with the uh, MCU TV shows, which conflicting stories out there that you know Disney's getting having some financial problems with some latest movies and things, then they might start scaling back on stuff. But if they keep going with what they've laid out with the the uh, next phase of the MCU here, yeah, we'll see where it goes because they can take this lots of different ways depending on where they want to go with it. All right, um, that's kind of all the major points. Anything else to comment about this one before we? guess or just say what we're doing next time although you, uh, although you already know now because you watched the next episode yeah so. yeah I've, I've been i've been trying not to to tip anything i and i th- i don't think this is a spoiler so i'm i'm mentioning this i you know this has just been across the board thing i've mentioned about the marvel tv shows and and stuff is i just really wish they would put more episodes or more runtime into them i know that the popular thing right now is to get away from large series runs and and do more compact part of me wants to call it a mini series right i mean six episodes is not a not a lot and i i don't know that i'm a fan i really i really would like to go back to at least a 12 episode run to, to get a lot of these things we just either they need to make them longer so they have more in them or they need to make more of them because i i just think there's so much left on the table so much so much more that we could have done and it doesn't have to be big budget stuff it could just be information and knowledge drops and and stuff like that but i've I've just left feeling wanting which i guess is better than being sick of it right that's their goal is to leave you wanting more but there's there's a lot more they could be doing that i just feel like they're having to gloss over to keep the the time frame moving to to make the the cut times 
Yeah, because I mean, you know, since this is on Disney Plus, I mean, it can be any length they want. You know, yeah, it's not gonna be a, you know six two-hour things, but it could be more than thirty-five minutes that most of these have been. It could be you know forty-five, fifty minutes. You know, like you can put like some extra stuff in there and yeah, dive more into some of these things or explore another avenue, or even just have some more plot threads going. Which maybe you don't really need that to overcomplicate things, but yeah, it would be nice to have some more time with this. Yeah, I just feel like it, 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 it's six episodes, as we can tell by the fact that we're down to two, right? There, there's just a lot you could do and not much time left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to wrap up all the moving parts that you've gone, which they're slowly doing, sort of. <laughs> but yeah, they got two more episodes to cram in, you know, stopping graphic, maybe getting the scrolls in your home, you know, what to do with the scrolls that are here. Like, they, they, they want to stay in their form with their lives. They've been living for, where it's now 20... Yeah, t- almost 30 years or not you know what kind of effect that's going to have so yeah i mean it's a lot to wrap up and i guess we'll see if they pull it off which we'll find out next time but yeah i mean and to your point you've got the the conflict they have to resolve this particular thing but then there's the the epilogue right the after effects how much i, I hope we get some time to see what happens you know what's, what's the world like afterwards or are we just going to end up with a cliffhanger and have to wait for you know, to be continued in something. You know, Kang's a big bad for the most of them. So where, where do we go? Who gets to pick up this thread? That's the other piece I'm not clear on yet. Yeah, because a lot of times they just you know if it's you know X episodes you know X minus one they do all the solving and like maybe like you know or even during the last episode maybe like the last five minutes they'll maybe do a little bit of oh here's what's going to happen next or something or here's what happens after you do the thing which. You know, it's kind of annoying. Like, you know, there's a lot more things that could be explored and learned and, and dealt with, which makes me think about um, my all-time favorite sci-fi show, Babylon 5, where, you know, the first four seasons was, like, the story. And then, because they had, they had to rush it because they weren't know if they were going to get five or not, they kind of finished everything in the by the fourth season. But then the fifth season was, was the fallout of, like, here's what happened after all these four seasons, which was fantastic. They had time to, you know, had 22 episodes to explore you know, the fallout of a giant war and how it affects people and all that stuff. So that was fantastic. You know, you finally get to see something deal with what they dropped on you. <laughs> so, but we'll see. And hey, we got the next year, the Daredevil is coming out and that's like 18 episodes. So that's the most episodes of any Marvel TV project yet. So hopefully they'll have that, you know, going all kinds of directions, you know, with, with the 18 instead of, you know, 12 or six or whatever. Yeah, and I hope that's really successful because I'd love for that to be the trend, right? I, I I could settle for less if we got more in that thing. You know, I don't need ten shows; I need one really deep show. I think would be my preference. But yep, we shall see. So yeah, so by the time we record next, since number number six is coming out here in a couple of days, so yeah, I guess your homework is watch the remaining episodes of Secret Invasion five and six. And we'll talk about that next time. All right, so that's your homework. Farscape, if you care. Secret Evasion, if you care. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.